Welcome to the Neuropathy Support Group and Podcast. I'm Chris, and I'm so glad you tuned in. It's my hope with this podcast to help all of us gather information that might help those that need support dealing with this debilitating issue. Hello, and welcome to this podcast. Before we get started, let's get the formalities out of the way with the medical and privacy disclaimer. I am not a doctor or medical professional. The information on this podcast is from personal experiences and is meant for group support. Additionally, the information discussed is not meant to diagnose, treat, or cure any underlying conditions associated with neuropathy. All names here within are private and will not be shared with any outside sources. Please consult your health care provider before making any health decisions. If you have medical concerns or an immediate emergency, please contact your doctor or dial 911. Well, how's everyone doing this Monday morning? I hope you had a great week last week. Less pain, less issues with your body. You know, for me, with all this weather changing here in California, you know, I think everyone knows that we had a big brainstorm going on there for a couple weeks, which is great because we need it. But, you know, it, it kind of gets the muscles and my body hurting when the weather changes so much right now it's you know it's fairly cold i know it's not cold for some of you that are back in the you know midwest or farther back but it's cold for me and it really that's when it really hurts my body and that's why we're getting into another subject about chronic pain this one this episode is called why can some people tolerate pain so much more than others i thought this was a good topic I know from so far engaging with a lot of you that that's a real big issue that we all have. I don't think there's one person here that's listening to this podcast won't agree with me. So let's get started and let's talk about this. There's also some, um, some of the things I'll be talking about are kind of funny a little bit, but I thought this is a good topic, so let's get started. So there will be uh, several different articles that I'll be going over because I'm trying to touch all the uh, subjects or issues that may arise on these different um, different websites and what they've come up with. So first, let's talk about um, what is chronic pain and why is it hard to treat. A recent study by the National Institutes of Health found that more than one in three people in the United States have experienced pain of some sort in in the previous three months. Of these, approximately 50 million sufferers from chronic and severe pain. To put these uh, numbers in perspective, 21 million people have been diagnosed with diabetes, 14 million have cancer, and 28 million have been diagnosed with heart disease in the U.S. In this slide, the number of pain sufferers is stunning and indicates that it is a major epidemic. But unlike treatments for diabetes, cancer, and heart disease, therapies for pain have not really improved for hundreds of years. Our main therapies are anti-inflammatory drugs, NSAIDs like ibuprofen or aspirin which are just modern versions of chewing on willow bark and opiates, which are derivatives of opium. In 2012, 259 million prescriptions for opiates were filled in the United States. I bet there's more than that. That's 2012. Yeah, there's going to be more, more millions. And indeed, 
new CDC guidelines on the use of opiates to treat non-cancer chronic pain caution physicians to consider the risks and benefits of using opiates when prescribing them for patients. I know recently, you know, in the um, news that I, you know, I constantly stay up upon the news for opiates and those kind of things and so I can bring that information to you, but they have been um, trying their best to make it happen to where they're going to stop trying to have doctors write prescriptions all the time for that and try our alternatives, but you know, those alternatives are kind of hard for some of us. I take opiates. I take two different kinds. And sure, they don't help that much with pain, but they knock it down to about maybe 30%, maybe, that I'm able to at least function a little bit. So that's where I stand. I need the opiates. I'm not, a, you know, a person that's a drug addict or anything like that, but I do need them. So pain can have a purpose. Pain protects our bodies from injury and by reminding us that tissue is damaged and needs to be protected. It also aids in repairing the injuries we do acquire. This is illustrated by individuals who are incapable of feeling pain. People with the condition typically succumb to infections or organ failures at a young age due to multiple uh, injuries that go unattended because they cannot feel pain they never learn to avoid hazards or how to protect still healing uh, injuries, which, you know, that's why I told you, everyone out there, to make sure you check your feet, you know, once, twice, three times a week, because you may be stepping on things that you're not aware of, and they'll leave a sore, and that sore will get bigger, especially for us that have diabetes, you can't let those things go unknown because it takes longer for us to heal. For the most part, physicians and scientists are not particularly concerned with pain from everyday bumps, bruises, and cuts. This type of acute pain typically does not require treatment or can be treated with over-the-counter medications. It will resolve itself when the tissues uh, heals. I, I think I would still keep an eye on it. Uh, you know, that, uh, I don't like the way that's, um, written down here but yeah just keep an eye on those things there isn't one type of chronic pain in many cases chronic pain persists after an injury has healed this happens relatively often with wounded uh, veterans car accident victims and others who have suffered violent trauma chronic pain from arthritis is telling the people about the damage in their body in this res respect, it is similar to acute pain, and presumably, if the body healed, the pain would subside. But at the moment, there is no treatment or intervention to reduce that helping or that healing, so the pain becomes the most troubling aspect of the disease. Chronic pain also arises from conditions like fibromyalgia, which have an unknown cause. These conditions are often misdiagnosed and the pain they produce may be dismissed by healthcare professionals or psychological or drug-seeking behavior. So there is some information I'll be overlooking on these um, websites, but I want you to take the time to read them so you can learn about these different things. Why does it always hurt? The pain sensory system is designed for survival. If a pain signal persists, 
the default programming is that the, is that the threat to survival remains on an urgent concern. Thus, the goal of the pain system is to get out of harm's way by ramping up the intensity and unpleasantness of the pain signal. To increase the urgency of the pain signals, the sensory des uh, descriptive dimensions of pain become less distinct, leading to more diffuse, less localized pain. This pathway also amplifies the pain signal by rewiring the spinal cord circuits that carry the signal to the, to the brain, making the pain feel more intense. So when you take opiates like I do, they um, act on all levels of pain, neural circuitry. They suppress incoming pain signals from the peripheral nerves in the body. But uh, importantly for chronic pain patients, they also inhibit the amplification of the signals in the spinal cord and improve the emotional state of the patient. Unfortunately, patients rapidly develop tolerance to opiates which significantly reduce their effectiveness for chronic therapy. Because of this, as well as their addictive nature, potential for abuse and overdose and side effects such as constipation, opiates are less than ideal agents for treating chronic pain. It is critical that we find alternatives, but that's easier said than done, most definitely. So like for me, the opiates um, so I've been taking opiates for many, many, many years, and I haven't increased my medication at all. So it doesn't really give me 100% uh, relief. It does help a little bit, so i got to find alternatives that I use uh, in between those times that I'm waiting for the pain medication to be taken again. Because some you have to wait every 6, some you have to wait every 12. So that can be uh, kind of difficult. So you got to find things that in between those times that you're down to relieve some of the pain. And that's what I do. I guess I've gotten to the part where um, I can tolerate the pain more because I've been in pain for so long. I know what's going to happen. I know what to expect. And that's why I don't have much of an issue, you know, feeling, you know, dealing with the pain at those times during the day. Mind you, I'm not saying that you know, it's pure relief of the things I do, but I, you know, in your own way, you've got to find what works. And the things that I do kind of work. And so, you know, that's as far as I've gone with it. I don't increase my medication because the um, doctor doesn't want to give me more medication or more milligrams than what I'm taking because the addictive factor that's uh, involved with that. So now we get into the meat and potatoes of this podcast episode. Why do some people hurt more than others? Pain is the single most common symptom reported when seeking medical attention. Under normal uh, circumstances, pain signals injury, and the natural response is to protect ourselves until we have recovered and the pain subsides. Unfortunately, people differ not only in their ability to to detect, tolerate, and respond to pain, but also in how they report it and how they respond to various treatments. This makes it difficult to know how to effectively treat each patient. So why isn't pain the same for everyone? Individual differences in health outcomes 
often result from complex interactions of psychological, environmental, and genetic factors. While pain may not register as a traditional disease like heart disease or diabetes, the same constellation of factors are at play. The painful experiences throughout our lifetime occur against a background of genes that make up more or less sensitive to pain. But our mental and physical state previously experiences painful, traumatic, and the environment can mod modulate our responses. If we can better understand what makes individuals more or less sensitive to pain in all kinds of situations, then we are that much closer to reducing human suffering by developing tar targeted, personalized pain treatments with lower risks of misuse, tolerance, and abuse than the current treatment. Ultimately, this would be knowing who is going to have more pain or need more pain-killing drugs, and then being able to effectively manage that pain so the patient is more comfortable and has a quicker recovery. So what they're pretty much talking about is um, our genes. You know, that's what makes up how we all, you know, differ from feeling pain. So the next few um, sentences or paragraphs talk about genetics, which, you know, to me is kind of boring, but if that's something that you want to look, in, look into, I have the um, information that I'm going to post on my uh, Facebook page so you can read it further from there. But I wanted to talk about some um, been, uh, finding new painkillers, and here's one that comes from Sea Creatures. Therapeutically, we have been using local anesthetics, including lidocaine, to treat pain by inducing a short-term block of the channel to stop pain transmission. These drugs have been continuously used to safely and effectively block pain for more than a century. So researchers are studying sea creatures such as the pufferfish and octopuses, which works by blocking signal transmissions as a potential painkiller. They have shown to be very effective in treating people with cancer pain and migraines. These drugs and toxins induce the same state that is present in those that have insensitivity to pain. So if there's one good thing out of this opioid crisis, it is the realization that we need more precise tools to treat pain. Ones that treat pain at the source and come with fewer side effects and risk. By understanding the genetic contribution to pain, then they can design treatments that address the why of pain and not just the where. We're beginning to design precision pain management strategies all around, and the benefit to humankind will only increase as we know more about pain deliveries among people. For some reason right now, I was thinking about, you know, when I take showers and, you know, you know that the water is very, very hot, but you really can't tell that when the water's hitting your skin. Um, so I really need to watch where I, where I place that knob because, you know, you may be burning your skin, you just don't know it, you'll end up coming out of the shower with, you know, maybe second, first or second degree burns on your, on your body, so... Those are the kind of things, even around the stove, I don't really feel the heat like others do. So just need to be real careful. So 
So finally, with this last article here, pain tolerance is something that is built up over time through years of experience. Pain becomes valuable when we conceptualize it. At first, it's difficult to see how pain can help us. But that's just because we're forgetting about all the ways we routinely use pain in our daily lives. Think about the physical pain you experience the day after a hard workout. That's the type of pain you you create on your own, knowing that it'll go away in a day or two. You work that hard because you reconceptualized the pain instead of looking at it as something terrible to be avoided at all costs. You see it as the mark of a good workout. It's a sign that you put in some real effort to achieve a goal. With sports, pain is often a source of pride. It symbolizes that we endured the struggle. So when we conceptualize our pain, we actively shape how we view it and how, we'll how we're able to tolerate it. So it's not all physical. There are many types of pain. You probably don't leave the office at the end of the day physically exhausted and wake up sore the next morning. But that doesn't mean the office environment doesn't hold the potential for pain. Take un uncomfortable conversations. There are always going to be tensions in business. You believe the company should go in one direction. They think it should go in another, or perhaps a project is behind schedule. There are any number of uncomfortable conversations to be had on a daily basis. The comfortable thing to do is avoid them, smooth things over, and hope it all works out. But of course, that only leads to more trouble down the road. In reality, the more of those conversations you have, the better off you are. That's why a high pain tolerance leads to freedom. Now this is all based upon each individual. Sometimes that's painful for one person, may not be for another. Even from a medical standpoint, pain is subjective to the person experiencing it. My pain, which is the person that wrote this, is not your pain. Each person experiences it and deals with it differently. But the more you're able to tolerate and deal with painful experiences, the more chances you'll have to experience life, push your boundaries, and open yourself up to new opportunities. By having difficult conversations, you open yourself up to new ideas and avoid conflict down the road. By pushing yourself physically, you gain the opportunity to do things you never thought, you know, you never thought possible. By learning to deal with uncomfortability, you build your tolerance for difficult situations. When you lock yourself in your comfort zone, never building your tolerance, you have fewer chances to widen your knowledge and experiences. You don't necessarily have to start taking ice-cold showers, but get used to leading into painful or uncomfortable activities. The very best things in life are found beyond the pain threshold of most people. So I want to read this section uh, all over again, this one small couple of paragraphs. Individual differences in health outcomes often result from a complex interactions of psychological, environmental, and genetic factors. So those are the three things that why some of us feel the pain more than others is because of those three things that change that are different in all of us. While pain may not register as a traditional disease. 
like heart disease or diabetes, the same constellation of factors are at play. The painful experiences throughout our lifetime occur against the background of genes, there you go, that make us more or less sensitive to pain. But our mental and physical state previously ex experiences painful, traumatic, and the environment can modulate our responses. It is better that we understand what makes individuals more or less sensitive to pain in all kinds of situations. Then we are that much closer to reducing human suffering by developing targeted personalized pain treatments with lower risks of misuse, tolerance, and abuse than the current treatment. Ultimately, this would mean knowing who is going to have more pain or need more pain-killing drugs and then being able to effectively manage that pain so the patient is more comfortable and has a quicker recovery. So finally, I found this one article on WebMD, which I love that site. They, they uh, have a lot of answers to your questions, and I will post this. But what drives your pain tolerance? Pain tolerance is influenced by people's emotions, bodies, and lifestyles. And here are several factors that, said, that this one doctor says can affect pain tolerance. Depression and anxiety can make a person more sensitive to pain. Athletes can withstand more pain than people who don't exercise. People who smoke or are obese report more pain. Biological factors including genetics, injuries such as spinal cord damage, and chronic diseases such as disease that cause nerve damage also shape how we interpret pain. Some surprising biological factors may also play a role in your pain tolerance. For example, research shows that one side of your body may experience pain differently than the other side. A study published in the December 2009 issue of Neuroscience Letters showed that the right-handed study participants could tolerate more pain in their right hands than in their left. The study also showed that women were more uh, sensitive to pain than men. But women and men are equal in their ability to tolerate pain intensity. And finally, here's that one section from WebMD I wanted to read to you that I thought was kind of funny. And I didn't know that there was a research that was going on for this uh, personal individuals. You ready? Here we go. Redheads are more sensitive to pain. Another surprising factor is that hair color can may reflect pain tolerance. In 2009, researchers reported the Journal of American Dental Association showed that redheads were more sensitive to pain and may need more anesthesia for dental procedures. Why are redheads in particular? Redheads, the researchers say, tend to have a mutation in a gene called, well, it's called MC1R, which is what helps make their uh, hair red. This group belongs to a set of receptors that include pain receptors in the brain. The researchers suggest that a mutation in the particular gene appears to influence sensitivity to pain. We have different receptors for pain in our body and those receptors respond differently. Whether you're taking aspirin or an anti-cedomiffin 
so I didn't know that was a thing probably many of you didn't know that either but finally a person's biological makeup can affect whether they develop resistance to pain medicines which means a treatment that once worked no longer eases the pain this can be a vicious circle to break you use more treatment and become more tolerant and you become less active and have more pain we can't change our genetic receptors and not even changing your hair color or which hand to write with can re can rewire your sensitivity to pain however they are coping mechanisms that can influence the brain's perceptions of pain researchers have focused on trying to alter the physiological interpretations of pain by restraining the mind you can change the perspective of pain on the brain this doctor says you haven't changed the perspective on your nerves though and that's true um you know alternative remedies such as relaxation techniques like biofeedback teach people how to divert their minds from zeroing on zeroing on the pain people can empower themselves by learning relaxation techniques such as breathing practices during natural childbirth this doctor says when it comes to pain mind over matter can work meditation distractions and a positive attitude are things people can do themselves to lessen the pain so there's you know there's some techniques out there there might be um i might find some information on that maybe talk about it in a different episode to kind of reflect of what i'm talking about now but you know it, it's like you said like this document says is this mind over matter in some cases and you know some of us can handle the pain more than others can just depends of our body makeup and what genes that we have versus the ones that don't have it you know if we do find some naturally ways to um tolerate the pain that you found worked for you you know just let us know um maybe you know we're here to help everybody not just the people listening to this podcast on my facebook page but we're helping everybody that's in the whole group of all the um the, uh, the pages that i have to get this information out and make them pain free or at least able to tolerate the pain so any information from everybody else helps a lot well i gotta close this episode we've gone over a little bit too much but that's okay this is important information for all of us Thank you again for listening and being here and hopefully the information I gather helps you out in some way or you know there may be things here that you can go and talk to your doctor about and see if there's any more help that you can get but I want all of you to have a great week take it slow you know gradually work yourself up by exercising I know myself I can't do much but if you can get out there and do some exercising try it but again thank you and I will talk to you next Monday bye as we come to a close it's my hope this podcast and other sources such as product reviews that I have discussed today can better our lives and give us some relief dealing with neuropathy this episode plus others are posted every Monday on Facebook Twitter, 
Instagram, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. And finally, whatever life throws at you, even if it hurts you, just be strong and fight through it. Remember, strong walls shake, but never collapse. Talk to you next Monday.